0: Welcome to Moot, the podcast where mistakes are guaranteed and our point is moot. My name is Joe and I'm with my co-host as always, Jeremy. Hello. And today we are going to talk about (laughs) depression because we're both feeling depressed and... We thought that in this mood, it is better that we postpone the episode about why dogs are great.
1: <laughs> you know, if you're listening, you might want to listen to us in like 1.2 speed or something.
0: <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, it's not a bad idea. Uh, just like, just to like put put like uh, like paint a picture. Right now, I'm. Eating a fisherman's friend with my coffee. That's how depressed I am.
1: I haven't eaten since yesterday. I, I don't didn't... even care. Like... <laughs> it's like two in the <laughs> afternoon. <laughs> yeah, <sighs> I, went to bed. I went to bed at about eight o'clock last night. I didn't wake up. I woke up at like four and I messaged you because it was like 10 o'clock your time. And then I went to bed like an hour or so later and I didn't wake up till noon
0: it was the right thing to
1: do it was (laughs) probably was i don't know like when the kid the kids have been going to bed and i've just been going to sleep right away so i don't know i just have no energy Mm. i might be going through a downward cycle so let me ask you are you are you uh are you diagnosed
0: yeah i am with clinical depression
1: okay I'm actually about this in the third episode i think
0: yeah i am Actually, I'm on uh, AAP, what is because that? I'm depressed.
1: What is AAP?
0: Uh, how, how do I translate that? Oh, bits of clawing spanga. It's like welfare for people who need to be on welfare for longer. Okay. Yeah, so it's like, uh, I was so depressed. That I didn't function as a human being, basically. So yeah. essentially, the government is paying me to live.
1: And you're going to school, <clears throat> though, right? Like, you're not just...
0: Uh, I mean, I don't have to do that. Uh, but I'm trying to do that. But the Zoom thing, I can't deal with Zoom, man. That's depressing. Yeah, I can't, I just can't handle it, man. It, it, like, it, it actually... it it, it feel, I feel like it's killing me like whenever i read an article about someone who's like like one of those kids who like were just waiting for schools to open up again but they never do and so they ended up killing themselves i'm yeah. like yeah i get that
1: <laughs> the irony's not lost on me that we're using the zoom to record these podcast <sighs> episodes
0: i know <laughs> we have to look at each other so it's a different thing
1: <laughs> it's better we can't see each other's faces
0: <laughs> yeah yeah, we're we're recording without the camera because uh, it it'd just be too grim not to. Uh, <clears throat> no, why is that Cheeto dust all over your all around your lips? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm. What are you drinking from a the barrel of a gun? Oh, that's not drinking. that's not. Uh, it's not a bottle. Uh, You're lucky. No.
1: Too depressed to buy bullets.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's in Norway, so it's harder to buy bullets. So you just have to kind of like choke yourself with the gum. Just deep throat it and then try to put the, the handle into your throat. Okay, okay. It's enough suicide jokes. It's enough suicide jokes. I don't know if I should be telling people. I don't know. I think
1: it can be therapeutic. I, I get by by making fun of it all the time. And even even my wife who is used to me doing this every now and then, like she'll look at me and just be like, that's too much. <laughs> yeah. I don't I try to stay I don't I don't touch suicide jokes anymore, but uh you know, it's easier to make light of a situation because I don't know how else to handle things.
0: No, I agree. I I uh I find coping through like dark humor helps a lot. But I I I don't know about the listeners. What what do they think the, the what do you think he thinks?
1: <laughs> i think that any listeners we had who wouldn't be able to handle suicide jokes have already stopped listening to it now.
0: okay well if you're still listening you know don't kill yourself because you're out of people
1: yeah don't kill yourself like that's, yeah, if, you, that's if you
0: if you kill yourself then who the hell are we recording this for
1: actually if you are depressed we're going to put the helpline information in the notes so definitely call i've called I've called the the helpline before. It was like three in the morning and I was freaking out. And this was, I was on Paxil at the time. This was shortly after I was getting diagnosed as this was probably about 10 years ago. And uh, I got, I I was diagnosed with major depressive and generalized anxiety disorder. And then eventually they're like, now it's bipolar. And right around when that was all happening and they were trying to figure out what, what medications worked you know, because the idea behind behind medication usually for depression is you get your medication to kind of level you out until you can change your routines and fix your schedule in your life mentally. Um, but when it's something chronic and endless like bipolar, it's got to be kind of a mix of both forever. <laughs> so, yeah. um, and, and finding medication is really hard. It's 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 a war. I mean, th- th- that was easily the most difficult, I won't say it's the worst time of my life because I had worse times, but it was the most difficult time. There were a lot of positives, like, like you know, my daughter was real young and my son had just been born. So there were a lot of things, but I was, it was the, I was on this uh, Paxil, which is an SSRI. And I don't do well with SSRI drugs. Apparently no one in my family does because I brought it up hesitantly at a Thanksgiving once on my mom's side and every, like my cousins and my aunts and uncles were like, oh my God, because mental health things kind of run on my mom's side of the family.
0: So what's an SSRI?
1: Um, Well, let me look up the actual term for it.
0: No, no, no. Just what is it?
1: Oh, um, it's so they're just what they're used. They're they inhibit serotonin reuptake. So if you have I think it's if you have too much, I I could be wrong. I don't remember very well because I haven't been on one in years and years, but they're used to treat like depression and anxiety. Um, anytime that you have a serotonin deficiency, they're used to treat that. But the problem is, is that if it goes, so if you're trying to limit serotonin because you have too much of it, because that can cause problems, um, but you actually have too little of it, or vice versa, I don't, again, I don't. <laughs> someone's probably listening to this like this this guy doesn't know what he's talking about and that's true i don't
0: i think okay. i think that's the case for every single episode so I don't the
1: case. <laughs> but anyway <sighs> it is serotonin because it's in the name i know that much but the point is is it screws with the serotonin level and whether you can have too much and too little and, it's, and it messes you up mentally in both cases and it made me like really whacked out like i got super suicidal i gained a ton of weight I was angry, like really angry. Like there was a lot of issues that went with it. And um, luckily, I all that anger was reflected inward um, or not. Look, I don't know. I, I, it, it's all bad. There's, <laughs> it's no positive to it. But I called
0: yeah. the... Uh, I mean, it, it, is, it is luckily to reflect it inward rather than to, you know, I have to explain the broken bones and bruises of your kids, you know. <laughs> it was... <laughs>
1: Not, not to go into it too much, but my my, my stepdad sort of, uh, you know, beat those behaviors out of me because he he was uh, he was he was what he was, and he was a- angry and, and alcoholic at the time, and um, he's got he's gotten better. Like we've talked since then, but growing up was dumb, and I never I never had any issue. Trying to avoid, like, like not throwing my anger at my wife and kids just because it was easy not to. Because growing up in that environment made me want to be, not be that way. So instead of I I I it myself,
0: <laughs> I think that's interesting and sweet because, sweet because you're not beating your wife and kids. Uh, in I'm I, I got a low bar, uh, <laughs> and interesting because I always hear that people who grow up in abusive homes they tend to become abusers themselves
1: yeah a a large number well my stepdad was was abused by his dad he said he goes we were talking and I had a very because you know when the kids were younger and I hadn't lived at home for many years he had kind of forgotten he knew it was bad but he'd kind of forgotten a lot of what it was like and he was upset that I like struggle with calling him dad and I don't say I love you because I don't you know, so I, you know, I, I asked him to talk about it and we, we talked and I said, Hey, you know, these are the things that happened. I remember them very well and I'm still struggling to get over them. And he's, he, started talking about his dad and he goes, yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't have a frank conversation with my dad. Tell us in my mid thirties, I was like, well, I'm 33. This is last year. I was like, well, I'm 33. This is, you know, and <laughs> I think the wheels like everything kind of clicked into place and he kind of got it. Um, so we've had a very formal, but awkward relationship since then, but it's better. I think it's better now that we've talked about that stuff, but it's true. But yeah, the the cycle does happen. Um, what happened for me is since I wasn't his like actual kid, he would take it out on me way more than my sister. Uh, mm. Cause my sister <laughs> was his, you know, and I was older and um he often fought for my mom's attention and mom prioritized us but I was older so and I did like a lot of stuff after school so mom was driving me places when she could or I would just stay at friends houses so he fought with me more than anybody else like he we fought like every time all the time and I and and there were a lot of things that he told me Growing up, that I internalized, you know, about like, you know, just like being worthless, and you know, he would he would tell me he see <laughs> one year for my birthday. I wonder if I haven't told my mom this because she she flips her lid when she hears some of this stuff. But I, one time he he got me like a he was he was so plastered, but he got me he wrote me this like fake certificate that was like congratulations your mom didn't finish college because of you or something, and he really like signed it from like the president or <laughs> something like he just wrote president and then like signed a signature and handed it to me one time and Jack S. because well because I, I was born when my mom was real young and she was going to college at the time and she didn't finish school so yeah like that is the kind of so those were the things that when I got older I <laughs> I thought about and I internalized and I can't it's it's very difficult to shake those things when you make it a part of your person like you can't just cut that out of the fiber of your being and just be like well I'm not going to think this way anymore because that's not how it works so no, I
0: know.
1: that was a big part of why I was able to send it all inward so easily you know I think that's uh, that was part of it I think maybe without that outlet I would have had a harder time being able to channel because I had anger and I think it would be difficult to channel that anger in a different direction you know i i think i i would have maybe been more outward with it so in a way i'm lucky again it's like a double edged sword i'm lucky that i didn't throw my anger at others too much although i was i was depressed to the point that like other people noticed i was depressed and either didn't like it or couldn't handle it or whatever and like distanced themselves or i just like stopped talking to people because i just i couldn't handle being a person
0: <laughs> yeah it's a it's like a silver lining.
1: <laughs> yeah. So you you've talked about your parents before. Is that something that you'd be willing to talk about on the podcast? Because
0: they... I don't know. I, I I'm always a little careful about talking about. No stuff. doubt. I don't. Uh, the thing is, like, I'm acutely aware of that. There's like a whole thing called false memories, and. Uh, it's like the last year for me was a lot of like, uh, there, there was a lot of stuff that I I thought, like, I, I, I thought about them differently growing up. And then I realized that things they were. And that obviously fucked me up a little bit. <clears throat> and uh Obviously, there's a lot of, like, it it feels good in a way. uh, Because then it's like, okay, everything makes a little more sense now. Mm -hmm. The way everything has been makes a lot more sense now. Yeah. Uh, Still, I don't know, what's the word? Reticent, you know? I'm hesitant to to, uh, talk about it too much publicly because it's obvi- like because, because what if I'm wrong again right yeah
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely you know
0: That's a real- I've been wrong once obviously now I'm pretty sure I know what the hell's been happening my whole life right but um, or my whole life my whole life my childhood anyway you know I, I'm pretty sure what's been happening but I the I, I was wrong up until, no, up until before like oh, up until twenty nineteen, right? Yeah. So who's to say that I'm right now? I'm probably it. It feels right. It feels like proper. You know, it feels like yeah. Uh, proper is not the right word. It feels correct. Okay. It it makes it makes sense. A lot of puzzle pieces just fall into place, but. You know, uh, I I still need a few years to digest it. I think
1: that's fine. And, and <coughs> I think there's a danger about going into childhood stuff too much because obviously those are formative years and they matter with, with who you become. But also, I think there's a real danger of feeling like you're wallowing and unable to move on. Because um, when I talk to, I've gotten to the point because it took me a long time to digest, I think di- a digestion period where you can speak with clarity and talk um, in a way that you both not not just that you're accurate, because, you know, you, you might get older and say, well, I have, I have more nuanced opinions now. But it's also about feeling comfortable talking about it. I feel comfortable talking about these things because I've had so much time to deal with them that in my 20s were kind of a mess, but my 30s have gone much better. And now I've kind of come back out of my shell a little bit and been able to piece together who I feel I am going forward. And, and I, and when I talk to friends about it, I can, I found that my friends are a lot more uncomfortable discussing it with me and they just listen. And so then if they're not curious, I don't want to talk about it, but at the same time, I have no problem talking about it anymore because I feel like I have a good handle on things. So that's, I think that's
0: smart. Yeah digested a little bit before i uh do any podcast stuff about it for sure yeah Uh, Yeah. suffice to say i i I can say with confidence that my mom is a cunt (laughs) how much you can
1: say i mean you've told me some stories and yeah description is pretty accurate from what you've told me (laughs) i'm not (laughs) gonna yeah (laughs) i mean
0: uh yeah yeah i mean yeah, i that's life celibate. me
1: <laughs> i i feel badly for both of my parents like my mom as always she's she's got she's probably bipolar and she's untreated and i tried to get her to go to the doctor so many times and you know she's only gonna go if she wants to and she has she was dealt a, t- a tough hand and she continued to find herself in miserable situations. So it, it, it's difficult to climb out of a hole. I mean, I was in a good environment in a house where I, you know, with my family and my family was a positive, you know, there was, there was a lot of positive reinforcement there. And I, I, it was still almost impossible to, to felt at times it felt like I'd never just make it, you know,
0: <laughs> Yeah.
1: So I can't, it's got to be really difficult to deal with that stuff in a terrible environment that's ongoing and feeling like your career is never getting anywhere. And, um, you know, my stepdad struggled with alcoholism and he still probably does. I mean, but well, I mean, that's, that's permanent, but you know what I mean by actively struggling.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Whether it's like necking bottles or whether it's just like wanting to neck bottles, that's the difference.
1: Yeah. So I just feel a lot of, sympathy for him and empathy for my mom i don't know i uh my my sister is doing okay which is good because she also grew up in the same environment and she grew up kind of messed up too so she's found um a fiance and she's you know she started like eating healthy and and doing things that make her happy which is good like this podcast makes me happy. I am happy to record. Like this Yeah. I always feel too. better even if I still feel tired and unengaged afterwards.
0: I am I am horrible to work with though. I am sorry about that.
1: Sorry, <laughs> right. we, we, we make it we, we do make do, we make do.
0: Yeah. I am I am I am just for the record, I am so awful to work with because like my depression can like come in waves and I'm suddenly unreachable. And he'll have sent me like 400 messages, you know, because <laughs> there's like something urgent or just, you know, checking if I'm alive. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <It's> like,
1: <laughs> I get worried. I get worried. Yeah. I, I, then, went, I had to repeat a semester of grad school. And so I know what it feels like if that helps you know
0: oh yeah I, I, I definitely definitely believe that
1: it, it I, I remember you know it, we workshopped my, my master's was a creative writing thing, and I could do all the reading just fine I mean you could, even if you're depressed and, and I'm not so because I'm type 1 bipolar I'm most of the time I'm a manic and I have anxiety driving me like when there's an issue I'm I'm more leveled out most days. Well, I don't know if that's true. If I'm cycling, it's whatever. I'm not going to get into that whole thing. Point is when I was in school, it was like my mid twenties and I was working full time. The kids were young and I was trying to do grad school at the same time. And it was very, very difficult. Yeah. So I would just disappear for days and we're supposed to be workshopping stuff and responding to reading. We had a tr- we had so much to read. I mean, it's grad school, whatever. And I just, there was a semester, there was a section, I just could not do it. I just could I just didn't. I didn't do it. That That's what it was. It just flat out didn't. And so my transcripts, you know, I had to withdraw from the class to avoid failing it. And I had to retake the classes that I withdrew from. And it was embarrassing and it was made me more depressed, you know, cause then you're like, well, I failed that
0: too. <laughs> yeah. I'm doing that kind of right now. <laughs> so I, uh, I know that feeling.
1: Well, and, and how do you, how do you pick up the pieces? Like what, what do you start doing when you start feeling better? What, what happens? What's your process?
0: I don't really have a process. That's uh part of my problem. I just kind of like just shamble on. You know, I feel like uh, I, can, I can really identify with every single extra from the show, The Walking Dead. <laughs> okay. You know, whenever I see one of those zombies just shambling through the street, I'm like, yeah, I'm with you, buddy. Like <laughs> mm.
1: And then on the worst days, you have those thoughts. It's like, oh, man, he was so lucky to get gunned down like that.
0: <laughs> yeah, I was just like, oh, man, I should walk up to Rick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah he'll fix
1: it. i i you know to to continue with the walking dead thing when i first saw the governor's arc in like season three or whatever and mm-hmm. you find out spoilers if for you're one of the four people who hasn't seen that show that spirals into terribleness
0: um it's several years old if you if you're going to be about spoilers then you know i, I want to spoil it for you <laughs>
1: i was talking to somebody about star wars and they i said something about a new hope and they're like spoiler alert i was like that movie came out in the 70s man
0: (laughs) yeah the movie's like twice as old as fucking me it's it's like you don't get to be about spoilers then (laughs) that is a generational film that's that's like you've been living under a rock and no one had the decency to step on the rock
1: yeah, I was like, he's like, do you? He said, he's like, do you even feel bad? I was like, I mean, I feel bad that, you know, I I ruined it for you. But at the same time, I don't, I don't. No, I feel, I feel, I feel bad.
0: I feel bad that I'm spending time with someone. <laughs>
1: Calling out Star Wars spoilers.
0: Yeah, I feel <laughs> bad spending time with you, man. That's it. <laughs>
1: I, mean, I was as polite as I, could, as I could be in the situation. I was like, I, I feel bad that I spoiled it for you, but also at the same time, I don't really feel like it's not going to change my behavior going forward. If I talk about Star Wars in the future, I'm not going to put caveats on
0: it. <laughs> no, no, honestly, you should just intentionally be like, oh yeah, by the way, you know, Luke, yeah, that's Vader's son. <laughs> yeah, and also, also, you know, in the second movie when he kissed the princess, Leia, that's actually his sister so yeah (laughs) take
1: that well she kisses him in the first movie too before they go across that gap i think
0: but that was like a that that was like a kiss on the cheek wasn't
1: it yeah yeah Yeah, like you know what uh, that was for that was to that was to set a tone for the relationship before you know he had fully fleshed out what the relationship was
0: yeah i think
1: I don't think I don't think George Lucas knew that they were brother and sister at the time until he started writing movie three.
0: (laughs) No, he he didn't. He didn't. There was Luke's dad, uh, and and in the first movie, yeah, he didn't know that at all. Like he like literally like Darth wasn't even a title; that was like the first name of Vader. Oh,
1: (laughs) I didn't know that.
0: Yeah, yeah, like the the Emperor, he wasn't Darth Sidious. He wasn't Palpat. It was just the Emperor. He didn't have a name. (laughs) <laughs> you know and uh, yeah so like Vader he was Darth Vader Darth was his first name right so that's why Kenobi when he like meets him he goes like something something Darth you know he, he talks to him on a first name basis yeah Um and uh, and yeah yeah also you know uh, Anakin Skywalker different dude from Vader in the first movie <laughs>
1: yeah, uh, I wonder if Darth Vader was depressed, and that's why he eventually turned on the Emperor because he just realized that this is what the rest of his existence was going to be.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think I think he was I think he was pretty depressed. He was broken down, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, he wasn't. Uh, he was. He was like he was just full of fear, hate, and uh, also, a dude was like in a walking wheelchair, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. He you know when I read uh when I read the I read the books, the official canon books and yeah. the moment on in the third movie or this episode 6 uh Return of the Jedi when he takes Luke's lightsaber before they go up to see the emperor and he looks at it he's there's a detail where it says that he's smiling under his mask. Oh. And that <laughs> was that moment where he's staring at the lightsaber because it, there, there's got to be a, a point of loss because he he might have I, I feel like he recognized his own lightsaber when he's fighting against it you know what i mean
0: i can't possibly have done that because it wasn't his lightsaber it wasn't no can't possibly because he his lightsaber was fucking lost in the second movie when he cuts off and like Luke's hand Yeah, I
1: know. That's what I mean, is in the second movie he recognized his lightsaber. He's like, Oh hey Luke's got mine. It's my son. Oh,
0: it's, I thought you meant like when he took the when he took the lightsaber and he's taking Luke to the Emperor, because that's in the third movie.
1: Right. So in the third movie I I'm not explaining this well. So in the second movie he realizes Luke has his lightsaber. Then in the third movie he takes the lightsaber and realizes it's not his anymore that luke has made his own lightsaber which is part of like yeah
0: yeah
1: becoming a jedi but i wonder if there's a sense of loss because if he's smiling at it he must be like weirdly proud of his jedi son that's annoying the piss out of him and his boss and
0: it's like look at it he's he's coming into his own right right when their kids are moving out of the house
1: yeah he's he's got he's like empty nesting right there <laughs> and i just wonder if that contributes and then he goes up and realizes well this sucks <laughs> yeah i'm doing something wrong
0: <laughs> yeah like my, my kid's moving out of the house he's getting his own lightsaber and now i'm dragging him back into this fucking emotional trailer yeah, you know, kids are trying to get an apartment that's like that's like being a Jedi and he's dragging him back to the trailer park to the Siths, you know?
1: Well, I mean, Luke kind of grew up in a trailer park because his dad was a
0: shithead. He grew up in a lit- literal trailer park. I was more thinking like emotionally because, you know, the Siths are all pretty screwed up. Yeah, yeah that's fair. But you know what? I like the Siths more than I like all well, the Sith. I like them more than I like the Jedi because I find them a hell of a lot more relatable.
1: I think the Jedi, aren't. you're not supposed to look up to them. I think you're supposed to look at the Jedi and think hubris.
0: That's exactly what I do. I look at them I think hubris. I think arrogance. I think they're repressed. I don't like them. Yeah. I, them. I mean... I like, I like individual Jedi, you know, but as a group, I don't care for the Jedi. Well, and the, the individual
1: Jedi that I think most people like... Are the ones that are either just total badasses or the ones that kind of buck the system. I mean, Obi Wan Kenobi is awesome because he ignores the Jedi Council repeatedly.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. And uh, uh, Mace Windu is awesome because he's basically a fucking Sith. He's so full of rage. I get him, you know? Like, oh, I want to kill this guy, right? I'm like, yeah, yeah, I feel you, man. This guy's, this guy's, uh, this guy's a crumb. I'm not going to put handcuffs cuffs on him. And obviously the right thing to do is to put handcuffs on him. Uh, but, you know, the, your base instincts want you want, want to fucking kill the guy. So I've always thought
1: that was an interesting quirk of the Force, which is what makes it a better magic system than a lot of high fantasy universes. Because a lot of high fantasy universes treat it as like, oh, people are shit. And they're the ones that corrupt magic and magic isn't good or bad. And they always have like a necromancer arc where there's like a misunderstood necromancer that's being ostracized for dabbling in forbidden magic or whatever.
0: Yeah.
1: But the force, oh, excuse me. The force is different in the sense that you, if you do bad things, the force corrupts you from the inside. Now there are still, there are still shitheads. There's still people that are, that abuse it and intentionally abuse it. But by killing somebody, it makes you, it, it, it corrupts you slowly for every, every life you take. And it makes sense that even though the Jedi Council is really aggravating, it makes sense that they're so careful. And, and it also makes, makes their arrogance make a little more sense because they feel like they have to be above it all in order to fight off, to stave off the corruption, especially someone like Yoda that's been around for almost a millennia.
0: It's interesting about that observation is that Warhammer is a lot like that too, with the warp and the, the you know eight winds of magic and all that.
1: Yeah, that's what I, yeah. Mean. I I read a little bit about that. You you'll have to tell me more because I don't know a whole lot.
0: Because no, it's like you know, you're in, in, at least in 40k, and I think this is the same for fantasy. Uh, then, uh, your, basically your your raw emotions feed the warp. They feed the realm of chaos. Like the chaos gods, they aren't the only gods. They're just the big four. There's a myriad of chaos gods swarming with them and swarming with demons under those gods. Uh, And all of them are just being fed by your various uh, emotions. Any any vices you have, anything like that. Uh, So if if you let yourself give in to rage and hatred and all that, you're feeding corn right yeah your emotional transgressions are just like making him stronger and more awful and it's spreading out right so you are becoming a corrupting influence around the people around you and it's it's kind of like i don't know i mean is this the right word like an assimile it's for real life you know it's like all all the big religions are going on that too you know they want you to restrain these and these emotions for these and these reasons right yeah because they can be corrupting influences yeah you know anything like uh you know, like lust desire all of those can be like positive wonderful things but they can also consume you as a person you know you can become a a, a petty angry little incel right
1: <laughs> which is what Tyrion basically is
0: I mean, that's... that's Tyrion. Yeah, essentially, right? So he's, he's feeding corn or in his case, cane, right?
1: That's his whole storyline. Is I, I get that, because that's, that's his... I read a couple of the books with Teclis and, and Tyrion and Malekith in them, because the entire dynamic between all the elves, there's the wood elves, the dark elves, and the high elves. And the high elves are in charge of the vortex. And, and they're pure and they're meant to stave off their emotions. And Malekith and yeah. his Merry We're Band yeah, Elves yeah. revel in the Dark Gods, and they you know they're slavers and everything. And yeah. the Wood Elves are angry, and that's why a lot of the other races don't trust them. Well, that and their history of war with like the Dwarves and stuff. But yeah. the Wood Elves are angry, like even even with Durthu and the trees, even though they these like majestic giant Ent ripoffs. Uh, a lot of their toolkits are, are described as rage-filled. You know, Branch Wraith is a, a hero you recruit. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. and,
1: and Tyrion's whole thing about fighting chaos, and the Sword of Cain, the High Elves protect the Sword of Cain, which, for those not familiar with Warhammer, is just this sword that is has the power of chaos in it. So when you wield it, it corrupts you, and... But it's like super powerful. So, so, other elves, like there's this guy named Anarian who pulled out the Sword of Cain to fight off chaos and save the world, but it wound up causing a lot of damage.
0: Um, and it's like a cautionary tale against like the old proverb fight fire with fire, you know? Yeah. Like sometimes when you try to fight fire with fire, you end up with a burned village. <laughs> yeah. And that's, that's how I feel when I'm manic. Because when I'm manic,
1: I'm manic more often than I'm depressed. I'm depressed right now, for sure. I mean, I've been sleeping a ton. I have no energy. I have, a, I, have a, I have, you know, I can run down and check all the boxes. But when I'm manic, I feel a lot more like fighting fire with fire, burning the candle at both ends. I, at the beginning of my, because a cycle can last three to five weeks sometimes, and I stopped sleeping as much. I'll sleep two to four hours a night and I can't get myself to sleep. I'll take, I took sleeping meds once I took NyQuil and I fell asleep immediately because I was sleep deprived, but I woke up like three hours later and it was groggy and I still couldn't fall back asleep, but I could still feel the medication weighing on me. So I just laid on the couch and I watched, I binge watched movies. (laughs) I couldn't do anything. It's very, very frustrating. Um, And the mania, I can get stuff done, but after, like, a week or two of the the sleep deprivation, I don't have energy to do stuff anymore. I don't – I'm anxious, and I'm worn out, and I'm tired, but I'm too – like, the mania keeps me from going to sleep. I don't know if I should keep referring to it as mania because it makes it sound like I'm insane, which, you know, that's maybe not far from the truth. And, like, I'll do this, like, some of the – like, sometimes I'll impulse buy stuff. Um, Yeah. One one time I got like addicted to this app and I spent like $1,400 on it. And then I called the company, reported it as fraud and the account got shut down. So I saved my money, thankfully, but it was just, I was manic one night and I just spent <laughs> like a ridiculous amount of money on this app. And now I kind of get it when people are like, yeah, I spent $10,000 on this app game. And I'm like, okay, I can see
0: how you could get there. <laughs> yeah. You just need a couple of manics out there with their wallets out.
1: Yeah. And it's so easy because you just hit, like, $20, $20, $20, and then you just lost a lot of money.
0: (laughs) Do you know the origin of the expression fight fire with fire?
1: I don't. Hit me.
0: Okay. Uh, So back in the day, um, whenever there was, like, a fire, like, if there was, like, uh, some field was burning or a barn or something, or, like, something like that, they would inhibit the fire, like, if they couldn't drown it out with water because it's too big they'd inhibit the fire by lighting another fire nearby so that yeah. the fire would burn up the oxygen and then they both the fires would choke each other out
1: oh i heard i heard that it was uh you, you burn like the grass and the stuff around it in a controlled burn so that way went, the, the fire can't expand i mean i'm sure both work depending on circumstances
0: yeah i mean like uh i, I think i think yours make more sense because uh uh, I'm saying this from memory, and it's something I learned when I was a toddler. So, uh, you know,
1: that's that's a pretty good memory for a toddler. explanation
0: yeah, uh, yeah. I remembered a lot of shit when I was a kid, but uh, <laughs> that I understood what I was absorbing is a whole different thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because they used to burn fields all the time, right? Because uh, the ground was more fertile afterwards. Hmm.
1: Yeah, you just don't salt it afterward.
0: Yeah, if you salt it, then I mean, it'll taste great, but you won't only get to eat it once.
1: <laughs> what was the the Russian plan when the when the Germans were advancing on them? They just torched their own towns, fields, killed their own cattle, everything.
0: Yeah, the Russians were stupid. I mean, <laughs> it
1: worked. It really stretched out. They, they stretched out their supply lines and they had they, the Germans expected to forage and there was nothing to forage on.
0: Yeah, I know, I know. I just wanted to, you know, piss oh, on the Russians.
1: That's fine. You can piss on the Russians. Just, yeah. It's <laughs> so, the what did
0: you asshole. think? What did you think of the governor's arc in Walking Dead?
1: Oh yeah. So I remember looking at that girl that's like trapped in the closet, and because he keeps his daughter around who's a zombie, and I remember no. looking at that, and it it really, at the time. Really felt it, it was a, it was a, it was a good metaphor for for how I felt because it felt like people who wanted me around were keeping me tethered and I couldn't get away. There's no escape and and just mindlessly biting at the at the the chains that hold you because I, I just wanted out, especially when I was on the paxil, the paxil that made me really super suicidal so
0: I think that's nice though. It's nice that you could relate to the to the to the zombie.
1: I did. I I felt very emotionally connected, and it was very I, like I, I. It was the only zombie death that made me like gasp. You know, I felt bet worse for that zombie kid dying, even though I wanted the zombie kid to die because she deserved release. Yeah, but I felt worse for her dying than just about any other character on that godforsaken show. Yeah. The only other person I would have cared about dying was Carol. Carol
0: was awesome. Oh yeah, Carol. I loved Carol. She was I thought Carol had like the best fucking evolution as a character.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, they spent they, they were very careful with her character development. And they she she the things she did made sense. She wasn't just a badass for the sake of being a badass. Um and I liked Glenn until they ruined his character.
0: And I always liked Glenn. I remember I was so sad, like well, not sad but shocked. I was like, when when they were gonna Negan was gonna pick someone to kill, mm-hmm. right? I was literally in England watching the show with my 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 then girlfriend, and uh, one of my roommates was like standing uh, next to us. And he was kind of laughing. I didn't register the laughter until after the fact, but he was laughing because I was sitting like, God, I hope they don't, I God, I hope it isn't Glenn that they're killing now. <laughs> you know? And he was just maintaining like composure because he had seen the episode previously on the day.
1: <laughs> uh, by the, by the time they killed Glenn, I felt that they had wrecked his character so badly that I did not care. I was like, thank God, good riddance. And by that point, my, my opinion of the show was in the shitter, so it was...
0: I still liked the show. I knew a lot of people bitched about the show at the time, but I, I still liked it. Although, in the middle of that season, when they had took their break, I never went back to it. But I never had any ill feelings towards the show. But I, I'm not that picky with shows. I am. <laughs> but I guess, <laughs> my, guess my, picky. I guess my subconscious was more picky than I am, because... I mean, I did never go back to the show.
1: Well, the show's formula is pretty the same. And, and I don't think that the writing was very good. People, people would keep praising the writing. And honestly, I think that the way each show was structured was more or less, you have an event at the end of the show to serve as a cliffhanger. They resolve yeah. it at the beginning of the next episode. And then there's a center 30 minutes where they spend an agonizing amount of time just having two to three characters interact at a time where each person describes their take on the event that happened. And then at the end of the episode, you get another event to serve as a cliffhanger and then it it rinses and repeats. And there weren't a lot of episodes that broke from that format, but the ones that did, I really liked like if they had characters go off and forge for a couple of episodes and feel like there was some growth. I really liked those.
0: Yeah
1: but most of the time they're just like lounging around the prison or lounging around this utopia or whatever. And they're like, wow, that was messed up. I thought this place was great. And then it, all the characters, because they didn't change very often, most of the characters you could tell what the dialogue was going to be. So sometimes at, after the, the events of the, the, the first five minutes of the episode, I'd pause it and I'd write down what I thought each character was going to say that episode and I was usually right about three quarters of the time. And it would make me angrier that I was able to do that. So I, I liked the show less. And so by season three or four, I really had a low opinion of it.
0: Oh, that's a shame.
1: <laughs> I kept watching it till like season six though. So I guess I can't shit on it too much because, you know, it kept me entertained for a while.
0: Yeah. Now that I think back, I did actually watch most of that show while I was playing games. So maybe, maybe I wasn't in like, maybe, maybe I wasn't observant enough to criticize it. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I am highly critical of, of The
1: Walking Dead and Lost. Uh, those are my two least favorite. They're not my least favorite shows. They're my least favorite shows for how popular they were.
0: Yeah, I mean, least favorite shows. Then there's some really atrocious shows out there.
1: Yeah, I, I have all sorts of things that I dislike about television. But those those two, they were so popular and people praised the writing and I just didn't think the writing was good for either one. I thought Lost was had its own problems that were very different.
0: Yeah. I always liked Lost, but I never watched past season. Not because I ever had any like ideological, like, oh, I don't like this show anymore. or uh, there, there was never anything like that for me. I just didn't watch it past the first season yeah I think my subconscious is like it agrees with you, but it he doesn't let me know He's <laughs> not telling me <laughs> you,
1: you know you probably lead a happier happier life not being angry about television shows <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: uh, I don't know, I don't feel very happy, but uh, you know what at least i I don't spend any time bitching about the shows that's true, yeah, yeah I do. I was a little irritated at the uh, Game of Thrones. Uh, I mean, I, I enjoyed Game of Thrones all the way up until the last season. And I know, I know it took it like, it took a dip in quality before that. Yeah. But like the, the season eight, you know, like the last one I watched maybe half of the first episode. I didn't finish it because I thought it was like, it was just stupid. Yeah. Like, like, to make me actually stop mid episode, no, no show has ever done that. I've only walked out of one movie in my life, and that movie was called Valhalla Rising. It was the dumbest fucking movie ever. What was it? I watched. I watched it with a girl I liked, because um, she was like fucking really indie. Okay. Uh, it's a movie. uh It's that guy. I don't remember his name. He plays. Uh, you know, in in the new James Bond movies, right? The one with the the, the Daniel Craig?
1: I've uh, only seen one James Bond film before and it was with
0: my friend at the theater. I don't even I, remember which so one. So, I'm going to have to speak to the audience then. So, <laughs> not Jeremy, but you guys. You know the James Bond movie with Daniel Craig, the first one? Casino Royale? We do. Yeah. Uh, was
1: uh, <laughs> that, that not helpful?
0: It helped. It helped. Okay. Uh, yeah, anyway, the guy, the Danish guy who plays the villain there, right? He also plays uh, Hannibal, the cannibal in that TV show about Hannibal. But I haven't seen it. I just know he plays him. Uh, he played like this guy, this Viking uh, in this movie called Valhalla Rising and the movie is like it has almost no dialogue i felt it was just boring imagery that was supposed to be sad and deep and he travels to the new world and there he like f- like he faces off against a bunch of indians right and they end up like killing him and the other vikings uh cuz you know that's what they did sure uh and at some point like he's like i don't remember if he was fighting or if he was just like see- is cuz he was hit by an arrow or a weapon or some kind but the whole screen kind of turned red <laughs> it's like night vision but red so everything is red everything all the all the indians running towards him are red and not because they're like red skins or nothing cuz the fucking screen is red yeah. he is red everything is red it's supposed to be all dramatic and horrible and I was there. I knew this was like the last part of the movie. I didn't know how much longer it was, but I knew I, I only had to sit there for a little more, right? Uh, and it was with a girl I was into, who thought the movie was great because she's, you know, fucking hipster. And I just walked out. I just was like, I was just like, fuck this. Do you want to go? And she was like, no. And I was like, I- I'm gonna go. And I just walked out of it and that's like I yeah that's the only movie I ever walked out of in my life and I had every motivation to stay and there was not a lot left a lot of time left of the movie either
1: I also only walked out of one movie and and the answer may surprise you but I'm not going to tell you yet I'm going to do the commercial break (laughs) I'll save it till the end yeah suspense whatever um today's episode was brought to you by we have no idea because we didn't check our email because we were too depressed to do it so (laughs) and it's tough because we have so many sponsors i mean they just they're lining the walls of our inbox and there's probably like 400 different products in there that we need to get through and it was so overwhelming i didn't feel like doing it so that's today's sponsor What do you, what do you like, what do you want out of life, you know? Me? Yeah. Do you have like a, an objective?
0: Yeah, I do. Um, I want to be happy. Okay. And uh, exactly how to do that, but I want that. I don't really have any. I, I don't really have any professional ambitions. I mean, I I have an idea of what I would like to work with, but I don't have a, an idea of what field it would be. I just like to have some kind of job that I can work with people. Um, that it uh, gives me spare time to do the stuff I enjoy. Um. And uh, I don't need to make a lot of money. I don't mind if I I don't mind if I don't make a lot of money. I make enough to, uh, as long as I, know, I, I, I make enough money to be able to do the things I like to do. And the things I like to do are pretty cheap. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
1: Except, except for Warhammer modeling.
0: Yeah. That's <laughs> not,
1: very expensive.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, as a meme, it is quite expensive, but it isn't, it isn't really that expensive.
1: No, you get like a couple of figures every month, once, once or twice, of, you know.
0: Yeah, you know, it, it, you spend a lot of time building them, spend uh, even more time painting them. And, uh like, what you get out of the hours for the price, it's still better than most video games. Although there are a few video games I've played, like, to death. So those, obviously, I get more value out of those.
1: <laughs> I'm creeping up on 2,000 hours for Warhammer 2.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a little above that.
1: Yeah. uh, that that game i've gotten definitely got my money's worth (laughs) yeah yeah
0: i i i I could never bitch about the prices on 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 that game because that game has really paid off but yeah like like almost any other hobby i could imagine i would probably spend more money on than warhammer probably yeah
1: it always blows my mind when people have hobbies they need to travel for like skiing skiing is such
0: an expensive hobby that's a that's a pricey hobby, but you know what the travel is part of the the whole thing you know like if if they could choose to ski in um, in Austria or if they could in uh you know some fucking ski simulator they pro- like if if the ski simulator was the option, they'd probably drop out of the hobby. <laughs> I think the traveling is a big part of the hobby there
1: I think it depends on how far you have to travel because I know. I mean, you guys have tons of mountains, but.
0: Yeah, in the winter, you just need like a car or a friend with a car to go skiing.
1: Yeah. See, in, if you live in Ohio, you have to drive like 1,200 miles to get somewhere that has good ski slopes.
0: Yeah. You can walk to somewhere with good, good ski slopes in Bergen. <laughs> Here,
1: we do have. So there's this place called Brandywine in Akron, which mm. is like an hour south, southeast of where I live. And they, there's a it's a man-made ski place so there are Mm -hmm. options but you know if you are really into the hobby you don't want to just go to brandywine all the time you want to go uh, to like the rocky mountains are huge and really pointy and have great ski slopes out there but that's in the west It's west the colorado and further west
0: yeah yeah. you want to you want to see god's green earth covered in white and then you want to be like oh yeah that's a tree and it wasn't planted by a guy right (laughs) <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. So,
1: I don't know. I've always thought it was kind of cruel, on the mental health front, that when you're depressed, especially when I'm depressed, when I'm manic, I want to get things done, even if I'm too mentally crippled to get much done. Like I'll get my work done, and then yeah. I'll, you know, I'll play with the kids. And the the, the cool thing with the kids is that. I'm able to compartmentalize with them very easily. Like I can play with them and be in my head space with them, but then they go to bed and that's the dangerous time. <laughs> like when they go to bed, I'm like, then the walls come crashing down.
0: Dude, you have an easy solution. You just keep them awake.
1: <laughs> just keep them awake hundred percent of the time. Stay around. Yeah, They're,
0: they're kids. Like they're, it's not going to be expensive to put that much coffee in them. You know, they're small.
1: Yeah. And you know, by the time they're adults, I'll just pay for their therapy. It's fine.
0: No, no, no! They're adults. They can pay for their own thing.
1: <laughs> I hacked it mm-hmm. so today.
0: <laughs> Yeah. No, you gotta, you gotta let the, you gotta let the little baby birds leave the nest at some point.
1: <laughs> oh, I'm gonna have empty nest syndrome so hard. Um, mm. But uh, they, how oh, was I saying? Oh, so, but when I'm depressed, okay. So when I'm depressed, I really, uh, that's when. I'm more prone to binging television shows or playing a lot of video games because I need something to feel something, but I also need to pass time. That's the other half of it is like, I just want time to pass because I can't, I'm not enjoying. Like, it's not that I'm, when I get depressed, I don't like hate the world or uh, it doesn't feel painful. I just don't feel much. So games do a great job of filling the void the problem is is that i kind of split things into you know short term and long term happiness like yeah. a video game or a candy bar or buying something that gives you a quick rush and it makes you feel good for that you know that day an hour or whatever and but the problem is is it's those bigger things large projects big stuff that you work on that gives you better fulfillment yeah as when I you know,
0: understand it, it's the difference between serotonin and dopamine.
1: That could be. I wish I knew more about this right now.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, I, I don't, like, again, the podcast is called fucking Moot. Do not use this as a source for anything.
1: Well, I was listening <laughs> to these guys talk about it. And they say, yeah.
0: <laughs> but yeah, yeah. As far as I understand it, serotonin is like the long-term happiness thing, you know, it's like fulfillment, essentially. Okay. Like if you work if you work a fulfilling job you and if you you know take a nice shot of heroin you get some dopamine. Okay. That's a a, other dopamine thing. is the stuff that makes you feel good while serotonin is what makes you feel happy. Okay. That's my understanding of it at least.
1: I mean, we could run with that theory because I think that sounds as good as anything I'd come up with. Better. Yeah. A lot better than what I'd come up with.
0: But, but let, let's let's just let's just do like all the old the monks of the old monasteries, and just come up with stuff that sounds good, you know. Like, yeah, this sounds about right to me.
1: If we get too confused, we can just we can just claim it's God.
0: Yeah, exactly right. So it's like uh, health tips from a monk is like, you know, uh, <laughs> like this tea removes the badness, you know, because the you know the tea made you shit shit better or something like that. yeah yeah i got it yeah what what you had you have a you have a a demon in your stomach that's why it hurts this tea is blessed and force the demon out uh so yeah you know uh keep the chamber pot empty tonight
1: (laughs) i wonder if there was ever a monk that was known for intentionally giving annoying visitors to the monastery laxatives you know like they had a special laxative tea that they knew was a laxative and they knew what it was and this guy like people come in demanding help and being just kind of rude and ornery and so they're all chuckling to themselves like yeah i gave him the laxative tea he's shitting himself right now you know i wonder if that ever
0: you know it wouldn't surprise me because i know that the monks uh in the old days, uh, especially around uh, England and France and stuff like that, they were really into like teas. They had like a lot of herbal gardens and stuff like that yeah, like a lot of those monks lived a long time too, because they had various medicinal teas they were drinking uh, and uh I'm sure that some of them used for you know less than medicinal purposes <laughs> I have no doubt. You know? either as a recreational drug or as a way to, you know, prank the other monks. <laughs> mm. <laughs> Brother Geoffrey, it's, uh, it's a good thing your robes are brown already. <laughs> <laughs> Looks like somebody's got to go down to the river. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you better grab the cleaning rock. <laughs> oh, just, you know, fucking beat the diarrhea stains out of his robe.
1: uh you know but that that short term that short term and long-term happiness i thought it was interesting that when you said you know i want to be happy and you started saying the things that might make you happy you know you didn't say like 50 extra hours in civilization six it was You know, I want to have a job that gives me some fulfillment, but still gives me time to pursue things I like, which I think is a very sensible answer.
0: Yeah. Thank you.
1: You're welcome. And I, I I think that it's, it's, it sucks that to get fulfillment, we can't just work on a long-term project that takes 400 hours. We, we turn to the quick fix stuff. And when you're depressed, it keeps you depressed especially if you're a person and, and i think about this kind of a lot because i for a while i was kind of bitter that bipolar is like permanent and you just can't not be bipolar anymore so sometimes i'm 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 envious but i don't envy anybody with mental health issues right? but there's there's a feeling i have sometimes where i'm like man i wish i could buck this with work and sometimes it feels like the work there's no point like mm-hmm. why am i doing this <laughs> and 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 it stinks that when somebody is depressed and they they feel helpless, that they turn to those quick fix, fix things that don't make them feel better the next day, but they can't get out of the rut because they don't have the energy and the wherewithal to do it.
0: And, and I that's the problem, it. right? And like, if you're if you're like, you know, if you're not a moron, you know exactly what you need to get you out of the rut, too. Like it's it's super annoying whenever you have a friend and i've been that friend to a lot of other friends too and we all have and i still find it no less annoying when a friend does it to me is when they like suggest different things you can do (laughs) and that's 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 the thing that's the thing why i really like talking to women actually i really like talking to women because women they fucking listen right they listen They're, they're good listeners as a group yeah men try to fix shit and it's very fucking frustrating
1: (laughs) yeah i catch myself doing that when when someone because you want to right like if somebody says something and they're like i'm
0: depressed uh yeah it's like oh yeah have you tried to you know going for a jog by the way like oh yeah if you eat a lot of fresh vegetables oh come on come with me let's go for a walk in the sunshine that'll help yeah. yeah It's like, yeah, I know it'll help. I know because I suggest the exact fucking same thing to anyone if the shoe was on the other foot. I'm one of those annoying guys who literally will just pop up with solutions instead of just listening. Yeah. Uh, But it's, you know, it's... I I lost my track. Uh, It's frustrating. It's frustrating. (laughs) The whole thing is like when you're depressed part of the problem like the I, I would say the fucking main problem is that you can't get yourself out of it and I'm sure there's someone out there who's like oh no but Joe you actually can you just take the discipline and blah 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 well fuck you and you're superhuman discipline <laughs> I don't have that you know <laughs> as the, the only way I can describe that is that it's like being depressed uh, is like having broken legs you know and the medicine, whatever the hell it is, it's a stim pack where in the fallout universe, you just stick it in your thigh and your legs are unbroken in seconds, right? It's on the top of a shelf. And that, you know, that stimpack pack that is like going for the walk in the sunlight, you know, go doing a fulfilling hobby, go out and meet your friends and talk to them, you know, pet the dog, whatever the hell, right? That's stim pack of all those right activities and the exercise and the healthy food and all of that stuff. It's lying on top of a fucking shelf. Your legs are broken. (laughs) Yeah. If I was fine, I could reach it. I could take that walk. I could pet that dog. I could eat that fucking broccoli. You know, I'd be fucking, you know, swimming in happiness, but my legs are broken, man. I can't reach the shelf.
1: Yeah.
0: And yeah, in this case you can't actually reach it either because it's a special shelf that needs my fingerprint and for some reason i'm locked to an anchor so you can't lift me so even though you're trying this rut and i appreciate the effort there's nothing you can do there's nothing i can do and yeah i know there's something i can do i just can't do it man. yeah (laughs) it's it's an annoying thing because people will be you just need to think. You just need to force yourself through it. You need to push. You need to blah, blah blah blah. Yeah, there's a million things I need to do, and I'm physically capable of doing them. But that's not the problem here, buddy.
1: I think that's a good that's a good explanation of it. I because I, it's it, it actually gets it can be more overwhelming the simpler a task is that you need to get done, and. <clears throat> the longer you put off the simple stuff the more overwhelming it becomes because now you feel bad for having put off something so simple
0: yeah like just okay. cleaning your house you know yes and eventually you're just living in like fucking squalor and filth like some kind of raccoon um but you're not happy about it like the raccoon would be yes mm-hmm. and I because then you feel shame for sitting in that pile of filth, which makes you feel worse, which makes it less likely that you're actually going to get up and clean.
1: Yes, exactly. And <clears throat> there's there's an added dimension to having kids because you don't want them to live in squalor. So what happens is my study steadily gets dirtier and messier. And, and you know, I, the, the, the bare minimum I can do is remove like dirty clothes. And I just continue working in this environment. But then I spend, because I'm working in it, I spend a lot of days surrounded by a mess. And then I get, it's, it doesn't feel good. You know, That I keep the blinds closed. But the but I have to force myself to do dishes and try to clean up the living room and the, the kitchen and, and stuff so that when the kids wake up, it doesn't look like a bomb went off. And they're not trying to like mm-hmm. make cereal in the morning surrounded by just stuff, like oozing things from the night before. So sometimes I'll, I'll set an alarm. I'll go to bed at like eight, eight or nine, like right after they go to bed, they'll go to sleep and then I'll fall asleep. And then I'll set an alarm and I'll wake up at like 11 at night, wake up, go clean. And it's, it's the most excruciating thing. Like I have set a coffee, I have set coffee, the the (laughs) coffee pot, because we have one that you can preset it to, to go off whenever. So I've set the coffee. So it goes off at midnight woken up to hear the coffee pot going off and that's the only thing that can make me go i'll drink like two cups of coffee standing in the kitchen and i'll clean and then i just go right back to bed (laughs) the coffee doesn't keep me away because i have no energy and it it adds and so forcing myself to do those types of things and and, you know making the kids lunch and dinner and, and that it it makes me more tired for the other simple stuff. So someone will, you know, text me like, Hey, let's play, let's play Warhammer. Let's, let's do this together. And I just can't, I just can't, I can't. And like last night we have a, there's a D and D group that I, you know, play with. Um, I just texted my friend and he's a, he's a real good friend of mine. He, he messaged me and said, Hey, do you want to, you know, we're meeting tonight if you want to play. And I just said I, I can't. I, I don't. And he and he gets it because he doesn't he doesn't coax or anything. He just goes, "That sucks. Let me know if there's anything I can do." You know. And they just leaves it at that. And that's probably the best thing to do. You know, because I also don't want to talk to people when I'm depressed because I just feel like I'm making them depressed. And maybe they want to talk. I don't know. But if they do, they would have to tell me so because otherwise, I feel like I'm putting them out.
0: I know. Right. Yeah. yeah, I can I can relate to that. Although for me I, I kinda like it when people try. It's it's a weird thing. I really like it when people try um to reach me because it makes me feel like I'm wanted. Even though I don't I, I, I genuinely don't want <laughs> I want them to try and talk to me. But I also don't want them to try and talk to me because then I feel bad that I'm obviously not gonna I'm, I'm I'm. gonna be unavailable right yeah it's yeah. it's a weird thing it's a weird thing where I don't fucking know what I want right you want them to reach out so that you feel like you're wanted but you also don't want them to reach out for because you don't want to hang out and also you don't want to feel bad about you know not 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 coming to hang out when they want you to hang out
1: sure yeah well, that makes sense. It's like if
0: if if they go like oh yeah that's okay that's cool you just take your time, that's a relief, but it also makes me sad. This is like oh okay, I guess I lost the opportunity to hang out there.
1: Well, that's, that's good to know. That's good to know that about you because I you know when you're you're feeling down, I can send you messages. Like what what if what about just like getting messages like memes and stuff? Just
0: here. I like I like that I like that because then I feel. I'm on on someone's mind, right? Yeah. Makes me feel like I have have a certain value. But it also makes me feel terrible if I don't reply to those messages. And replying to them is really difficult. Okay. Yeah, like you can't win with me, I'm sorry.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's 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 the nature of mental health, right? Like mental health is described as a thing that it disrupts your lifestyle, so you can't it, it function. <laughs> I like think that's when it be, that's when you're supposed to see an expert is when you feel like it's disrupting your day to day or your relationships. Yeah. Um, and, and I feel bad since we haven't talked about therapy. There is, I, it, it kind of therapy is one of those weird things where it's so helpful, but if you don't have a good therapist, you won't realize how helpful it can be. Like, I was, I was always very leery of it. And I, I kind of had that sort of, ignorant machoism about it that was unhealthy in my early 20s when I was like 19 and well now when it's like 2021 that's when I first started getting the the beginnings of like real real stress high stress anxiety and and some depression cycles and by the time I was like 22 23 they're pretty they're regular but I it, it took me a while to get onto therapy and then I went to a therapist for about a year and we didn't jive and I kept that, that all that did was perpetuate my belief that therapy wasn't super useful. Like, ah, what can talking to somebody do? But the fact is, there's more than a half dozen different types of therapy approaches, like different. Ways to think about therapy, like and, and the, the therapists adopt these different perspectives, and so they they're using different techniques based on who you go to, and somebody's personality might mesh with yours better than someone else's, and I don't think people hear that enough because therapy can be very useful, but if you if you're afraid of it or there you have reservations about going or you don't think it's worth it or whatever, um, and then you do have a bad experience. I think people, more people need to know that, that those bad experiences, uh, you may have multiple bad experiences before you find a good therapist or you just might find people that you don't mesh with very well or aren't super helpful. Um, but I, I wish people weren't so quick to give up on it as a technique because even if you have something chronic or endless or you know whatever, uh, it can make handling those things a lot easier. Those techniques are important. I don't know. That's my little short little speech about therapy, I guess.
0: Yeah, I've heard the same thing from a, a close friend of mine, and because uh, he he went to therapy because he had some issues, and it helped him a lot. to deep learned a lot of techniques and stuff. I've gone, but it didn't help me, and I don't see how it possibly fucking could.
1: Right, I've been there. That I have felt that.
0: I don't understand, like, what the hell is, like, it's, it's, I'm not going to get a breakthrough. I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I already know exactly who I am, what I am, and what's, what my fucking problem is. You know, like, uh, there, there's nothing, there's nothing I can learn from, from fucking therapy, I feel.
1: Well, it, it may not be about learning something about yourself. It may be more about learning uh ways to cope things, how to change habits. Um, and, and there are always things that are hidden from yourself because your perspective is too close.
0: I, so, I, I, feel, like, uh, I feel like a lot of my problem is that I'm lazy. Sure. Um, but... I'm, I'm very lazy and undisciplined. So even when I'm doing good, I'm not usually so productive as to prevent uh, like a downward spiral that I know is coming sooner or later. Sure. Um. It's 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 as if you like experience lots of harsh winters, but every summer, you never fucking forage and like store food for the winter. Yeah. You know. <laughs> I'm just surviving each fucking uh, frozen fucking season, on like yeah, on whatever I can find under the bed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah not literally <laughs> just in case anyone was wondering it is cold in norway and yeah i i don't live off stuff under my bed
1: i think <laughs> therapy isn't doesn't have to be so much about discovering who you are if you already f- if you already have a good handle on that it can also be about facilitating
0: future growth and yeah but there is my problem is kind of like what 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 like what theoretically could a therapist do for me, right? Can he can he make me not be lazy?
1: No, no, no. The therapist can't do that, but, <laughs> <laughs>
0: but
1: they are. But they are professionals, and they've seen many many different types of laziness, and they've approached. Mm-hmm. They have stuff in their arsenal that allows them to address it, and that and and I. I'm not a professional therapist so I can't speak to it but usually the problem is more complicated than just laziness
0: you know yeah yeah of course I mean it, there there's there's more to it than that but I feel like that's just preventing me from uh, from getting better probably
1: I mean it's probably yeah. a big part um but what what a therapist might do is is just skirt the laziness and try to find things around the periphery that are, they're feeding that laziness and, and address those things instead. Because um, I know when I get depressed, I also get very lazy and and I don't know that I have. I can be flaky, but I don't, I'm not systemically lazy. You know, I will abandon projects and become fearful of them and, and be afraid to approach them. And, and, you know, um, but I'm usually if I'm as long as I'm not cycling down really hard, I can keep myself doing stuff. Whether or not that stuff is productive is up for some debate. But <laughs> uh, point is, I have I have core things that are also that, that, that hamstring me, and the and and my therapist helped by going after the legs of those problems, not the problems themselves. If that makes any sense.
0: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Maybe I should uh, maybe I should check with a therapist, find someone. I would encourage you to try again. The problem, though, is that the COVID and everything. You know, it's it, that 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 to me, because I, I I did have a therapist, uh, and he tried to get in touch with me a couple of months ago. Uh, actually, a couple of months ago, last year, a couple of months ago, <laughs> <laughs> a couple of months ago, and a year, he tried to get in touch with me. Right. Um, and uh yeah i I was just not interested in talking to him, and that like normally i' i I'll talk to anyone who fucking listen or talk you know, I'm not picky, but he was like doing like a fo- phone or a zoom meeting or something and I'm just not interested in that that that's not help like if I was talking to him in person maybe i maybe I would have you know reached out back to him uh but the Zoom, like, is I I fucking hate it.
1: Yeah. Like I, I get
0: I get I get angry at people who say stuff like. Uh, well, at least it's better than nothing, you know. It's like it may not be the real thing, but it's better than no, 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 no. Zoom is not a condom. That is not the case, man. Zoom <laughs> is a fucking glass between you and food when you are hungry. <laughs> Zoom is not something that's, you know, better than nothing, you know, it's it, than nothing. Nothing is preferable to Zoom. I would rather be completely fucking alone than talk to people through Zoom.
1: We we talked about this before and and I've I've had some thoughts since then that I think because I had mentioned that to me Zoom is more like white rice, just something that's barely palatable just unseasoned white rice that you so you get yeah what you you get through but then i thought about you know the big thing that i liked zoom for was that it saved my poetry workshop it's been going. i've been my workshop's been going it'll be this will be the sixth the year and so i was really sad that that would be lost and the library kicked you know kickstarted it and zoom saved it and now we've got people from all over cleveland attending not just in parma but, but the, the caveat to that is I'm running the workshop and I really enjoy workshopping. I love talking about poetry. I don't really care how it is. And I was sad that I was losing a project that I care about so deeply. However, there were many people in the workshop. I had a lot of regulars that, that went for five years straight and then COVID hit. And I haven't seen a lot of those people since. And I've reached out to them, you know, just to make sure they're okay and see if they're writing and see if, you know, they want to talk about anything. And um, I usually hear back from them. Yeah, I'm fine. Thank you. You know, they, they go through like the stuff. And, but they always say, you know, I'm sorry, but I'm not coming back until it's in person again, because I just can't do, I hate it. And
0: yeah. yeah, I feel them.
1: Yeah. And so like the last time we talked, I I, I brought up the white rice analogy, but I realized I was making that comparison as somebody who not only treats it like it's, 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 it's the workshop is kind of personal to me because I've been doing it for so long and I, I like it so much. So my relationship with it is very different, but a lot of the people that go to the workshop who, you know, they're not in charge of the project. They're just, they're there to enjoy poetry. They're there to read stuff out loud. They're there to meet people face to face and have something to do. To get out of the house Um, but if they're zooming (laughs) digitally and they're waiting to see if people's connections are through or whatever and they're they're not leaving they're still not leaving their house so a lot of the benefit is lost completely
0: yeah honestly it's more of a it's it becomes more of a taunt that you're stuck inside It, it becomes rather than being like a video game can be a distraction from you being stuck inside uh zoom just sharply reminds you that you are alone and sitting inside right now. Yeah. These people are not near you. I can see that. I can yeah. see how that would be very difficult.
1: I, I actually, I can sympathize, but I can't empathize because I am lucky in the sense that uh, when COVID hit, you know, I had a family that I'm very close with and we, we like spending time together. So I, I don't yeah. have thankfully that's you know that's a great thing i've got going in my life is that i don't feel alone and but i don't live alone right like i don't live by myself i don't live with roommates that are never there or whatever and yeah that's totally so that would totally change my relationship with zoom i think if i if that that was my situation
0: yeah i mean this is like the first uh, basically the first since i was 16 i've always had a girlfriend uh, and then they like, the, the, the year, my my connection's unstable now, isn't it? I can hear you. Oh, oh, well, Zoom told me it was unstable. Screw Zoom. you, Zoom. Fucking Zoom.
1: <laughs> it knows we're talking about it.
0: <laughs> yeah, this is, like, the first year that I've been, like, single for a year. And in many ways, I think that was a fucking good thing for me to be. Because I've essentially been self-medicating with relationships from, you know, uh, a lack of love growing up, um, but what a fucking year too. Because you know, even if you, if you, even if you don't immediately go get a girlfriend, right? Uh, you do need friends. You do need people around you. Absolutely. And uh, to me, calling those friends, it means nothing to me. Basically, I mean, so, so, there's a few friends. There's a few friends that. I actually do enjoy having like online contact with you, obviously being one of them, otherwise this wouldn't work right. this podcast <laughs> <good>. <laughs> yeah yeah, but that's that 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 really is an exception that really isn't a massive exception to the rule well, I think uh, it
1: helps that we ke- even if there wasn't covid we couldn't meet up like our our relationship has to be online because the Atlantic Ocean separates us, so
0: exactly exactly uh, we met well,
1: over video games on the internet. And we started a podcast because we both kind of wanted to do it, and now,
0: yeah I also think there's a, there's a special factor in that we have a ridiculous amount of similarities, yeah. uh, because like when I was playing World of Warcraft when I was younger, i I never got like friends on World of Warcraft, and not for a lack of like people adding me and wanting to play with me, but people online just become less human to me I'm, I'm a very physical person. You know, uh, if uh, like the online friends, like I had a lot of real life friends who play World of Warcraft too, and they had people they would frequently play with all the time, and I basically by choice didn't have that because I wasn't interested in playing with those people again. Kind of, you know what I mean? Yeah. It was they. they were. I, I knew they were people. I'm not a. Son. They were basically like. I don't care if I play with that guy again. You know? Like, I I enjoy that guy. He's a sweetheart. I, I don't care if I ever see him again. And so you're not going to join a guild, right? Because you don't care about these people. That it sounds really fucking horrible the way I say it, but, you know.
1: No, I, I totally get it. I, when I played World of Warcraft, I joined a guild because I wanted to... So I, I played mostly Wrath of the Lich King. Yeah. And the end of Burning Crusade. So if, if people, if you're listening and you haven't played World of Warcraft before, basically, I'm sure you know, you've heard of it, but World of Warcraft had expansions, and every couple of years they release a new expansion, and they raise the level cap. Yeah. So all the in the, the weapons and gear you collected in the last expansion becomes irrelevant, because now you move to a higher level, and so you have yeah. to recollect all that crap again.
0: So there's more, there's more powerful stuff.
1: Yeah, yeah, and, and there's, there's, so anyway, I played during Wrath of the Lich King, which was the second expansion, um, and I wanted to do, and I wanted to do, like, raids and PvP, and I wanted to get, like, the full WoW experience, so I joined the best guild I could find on my server, and just raided, and did a ton of PvP, and then then that expansion ended, and they released a new one, and I just didn't have the heart to go through all that again, because it was just just, <coughs> it's just so much work. it takes so much time but the only reason I joined a guild was because I wanted to do to to like do raiding and stuff I had no interest in making friends and I got to know the people that were in my guild like you hang out with them a couple times a week for a few hours and but I also didn't establish a human connection either so I get it I I get it's not like you're dehumanizing them it's just that you're not you don't you don't latch on to them
0: exactly right uh, it's it, you know, if I heard that one of them died, I'd be, you know, um, it'd be awful. Uh, yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. It, it it wouldn't. I, I wouldn't be like, oh, that doesn't matter. Oh, I'm so edgy. You know, it's it's just it's 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 hard for me to get a connection with people if I can't see and touch them. And I don't need to touch them, by the way. Don't worry, guys. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's just if if I if I can't, you're not basically real you know a hologram is not the same thing as a person yeah that's that's why handshakes are a thing I think because we like to touch each other
1: you know one of the things that I really that drew me to theater because I I went to college as a chemistry major and the only reason I, I tried out for a play my freshman year was because I had done a few in high school and they were really fun so uh, it was a small private college. So I was like, okay, well, cool. I can try out for plays. And then they slowly sucked me in. You know, I, started, I took a couple of acting classes. And then I, by the time I was a junior, I was a, I was a theater major. So one of the things that drew me in though, was the, was the environment. You know, when I went to our science and math building, it was a three floor thing and like biology or uh, physics was on the first floor. And uh, the second floor was math computer science and biology. And then the third floor was like chemistry and like a lot of labs and equipment stuff. So, you know, you go there and everybody's kind of in polos and khakis and, you know, they, they kind of treat it a little bit more like an academy, or maybe they're just acting like normal people. And it, it seemed dressed down to me, but in the theater, everybody's wearing like pajamas, everybody hugs when they see each other. Everybody's like, there's, there's a sense of camaraderie. You can call your professors by their first name because you're working on with with on a show with them until like three in the morning, and then you have to like wake up and go to classes. And so like the professors are just as exhausted as you are. And so there's, there was a, I liked that dynamic so much, and I I realized when I graduated how much I missed hugging. <laughs> it was like a weird thing, but mm. I distinctly the I kind of went on a hug withdrawal for like a year because when you see people these pe these these other your peers that you work with on oodles of shows. I mean, we worked, I worked on probably 20 shows over the course of my time at Marietta. I was doing like two, three shows a semester and I was there for five years instead of four to do the the other major. And I don't know, the, 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 the physical contact is nice. It's not, you know, it's, it's not sexual. It's not even like really super emotional. It's not like, Oh my, you know, grandpa you know it's nothing like that it's just it's nice to feel a sense of community and being close to people and having you know it was more in the trenches than chemistry was up until 300 like the the, the really difficult p chem classes where the math was insane and we were up to like two in the morning but again it was that closeness because we were spending extra time together in a close space doing very difficult problems that we could only sort of grasp the math on, <laughs>
0: yeah. I don't know. No, I agree with that, man. Uh, there's because I mean, you do when you hold when you hug someone, it does release a bunch of fucking like hormones and chemicals in your brain. Mm. Uh, I don't know if it's dopamine or serotonin or whatever the hell it is, but it's it's good stuff, is what it is. It's steroids. <laughs> it's yeah. the adrenaline. Steroid happiness. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so happy, gonna cut.
1: That, that, that's what it is.
0: Yeah. <laughs> My name is Joe, and today I'm going to add Rogan. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah.
1: I guess that's the lesson for today's podcast. Be close to people that you know. Yeah. And I, I will. I know everybody's heard this a thousand times, but you really don't know who's suffering. You don't you don't at all. I, a lot of people were really surprised. They thought they took it personally when I stopped contacting them in my twenties. And they, you know, I, I had, I would, I reached out to some friends and they said, Oh, you know, they made like some couple of them made like passive aggressive thing. Like, Oh, you're talking to me now. And like others were like, Oh, you know, I thought you didn't like me anymore. And there were varying degrees of surprise, but I just told them, frankly, you know, I was in a terrible place and I wasn't in the, i couldn't handle basic friendship and a lot of people were surprised because i just tend to be kind of high energy and i laugh a lot even if things aren't funny i'm like that annoying person that's always laughing at stuff that and then i then i realize something's not funny and i have to like shut it off real fast so um and and i don't know i found out i found out of other friends who were struggling very deeply and i was kind of surprised and I think it's just important to be kind of aware that if somebody is cutting you out they're probably not cutting you out they're probably just protecting themselves not from you but just from themselves.
0: I don't know. No, I think I agree with that. Oh. <sighs> do, do you want to say anything else? Probably a bunch of stuff but I can't I I'm, I'm I'm feeling like I'm zoning out right now like you know how i said I, I i think i agree with that i didn't really hear what you said at all <laughs> that's just kind of what i throw in there to make it sound like i heard but you could have for all i know you could have been talking about like a, a, a modernized way to wipe out israel you know <laughs> oh god <laughs> I, I don't know a new kind of gas that only affects uh <laughs> affects those who have passed their bar mitzvah you know
1: it was a straight, very serious endorsement of the use of chemical weapons.
0: Yeah, I think I agree with that. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah. <laughs> if he said anything anti-Semitic, I don't actually agree with that.
1: Yeah. And I I wouldn't say that, but uh yeah. I I should I should lodge some tests at the end of our podcast episode sometime to see where you're at. <laughs> it's like,
0: it's probably, yeah, probably, probably better not to do that because <laughs> yeah, I'm paying attention. I'm paying attention. You don't need to test me. I mean, yeah, I, I, I will pass the test anyway. You know, it's not worth it.
1: I had a student try to test me. They put they at the very end of an essay. They put like a random nonsense sentence in it, and I, and I marked it as like, I just I just wrote cut. What what's this? You know and the student emailed me and he's like "Oh, i was just making sure that you like read all our stuff in full I'm like
0: i like yeah. that <laughs> i think that's clever yeah it was it was what it was it was fun yeah and knowing you he probably got better grades for doing it
1: i thought it was hilarious and i didn't dock him points i did not increase his score because you know i was using a rubric
0: oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh. And I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna give students bonus points for fucking with me, even though I think it's hilarious. Oh,
0: oh, well, I pegged you wrong. No. <laughs> <laughs> if I <had> ten... uh. <laughs> hmm. All right. Well, do you wanna, do you wanna lead us home then? I think so. I think so. I think so. So yeah, that this has been moot. Please follow us on Twitter at the mood podcast and visit us at the mood subreddit. Uh, do people actually visit the subreddit?
1: Not yet. Not really.
0: No, no. but they do visit vote. the Twitter.
1: We, we have, we have some, yeah, we have some Twitter activity. Um,
0: yeah.
1: Reddit is, doesn't really have people yet on there, but we do get up votes periodically. And I don't know where they're coming from because we don't get new followers. Of the subreddit, So I'm not sure.
0: People dropping by, sneaky.
1: Yeah. Checking yeah. It, checking it out and realizing that we don't really have a whole lot to post because Reddit's more like a community effort. But
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. maybe we need to make an effort.
1: We are making an effort. We're making a podcast, damn it.
0: Yes, true. Yeah. The ungrateful bastards won't even comment on us. <laughs> yeah. No, we love you all. And yeah. Yeah, we we genuinely do though. Uh it's, uh, for me, it's it's still insane that people actually listen to us. I think it's great. But yeah, it uh, I, I I love it. I love it. it makes me it makes me feel like uh, makes me feel like there's people out there. It's that long-term dopamine. That's yeah. I gotta get me some dope <laughs> and some comics <laughs> Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, you heard me earlier. It's been moot. It um, the horse is dead. Yeah, <laughs> I'm still beating it though.
1: All right, take care.
0: (laughs) Take care.